0: Hi there! Welcome to the Family Bicycle Podcast, where we have wild adventures with kids and bikes. I'm Tom, and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're listening, welcome. If you've not been listening to our previous show, I'm preparing for the festive 500 500 kilometers of riding between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, and I've just got my road bike back from uh, Velo Elite at Ringstead, who very kindly have sorted out my knackered wheel and. given the front end of the gears a tune. I don't know why, but I just can't get on with settling that front derailleur on the Shimano 105 group set that I've got. So many tasks I tackle on my own bike, um, and this time I was happy to just get somebody else to do it. So thank you to Tom for turning the bike around so quickly. And for this podcast, I just want to talk about my Sunday afternoon ride. It was first time in a long while that I've been out, I've been cycling every day the last little while. We had a challenge that every member of the family was going to try and go out and ride their bikes during the lockdown. And we pretty much did it. There were just odd days where one or other of us didn't get out on the bike. But uh, I'd been cycling every day and not really going very far. And I was not riding for fun. I hadn't been outside of town. I'd not done any distance for a while. So Sunday afternoon, I got my road bike back fixed. Hadn't ridden it for quite some time. Time to go out and put some miles on it, check everything was all right. It was a bit of a shakedown before Christmas Eve and all of the palaver that follows. And I'd kind of set my sights on trying to pick myself up a local legend. It's silly, isn't it? Strava creates these things and we all, oh, yeah, you know, it's um, no no big deal. Oh, if you can, if you set too much stock by that, then you, you're ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, we all quietly think, yeah, go on, we'll do that. We all like setting a PR. We all like hitting a KOM or uh, at least getting on the leaderboard which for me is as good as a KOM because that's uh, as close as I'm going to get generally speaking but uh, yeah we all sort of overtly say this stuff doesn't bother us uh, but the, the little time trial course out from Wellingborough around the villages that I've been doing for the last few years as a test of fitness has been held as a local legend by a mate of mine Richard from Uh, the group that I used to go out cycling with on a Saturday morning uh, from Wellingborough and for a while I've been watching it and just thinking, I don't know how I'm going to pull this back but uh, one of these days that local legend's going to be mine. So I thought, well I'll go and get one on the board and perhaps during the uh, festive 500, given the lockdown we've got at the moment, I don't think I'm going to be going as far from home as I might normally. Uh, Don't want to uh, tread tread into tier four. So... I'll have the chance to do a few more goes around it then and you know by New Year maybe we'll have got him. Uh, so off I went. And uh, I think first thing to notice is that when that, <laughs> when that Strava fitness score starts diving, uh, it, they're not wrong. And I think when I set my personal best, I hit a Strava stress score of about 160, 170 flat out and uh, I was nowhere near that pace and... Broached the the, the two hundred mark uh, for, <laughs> for the, the effort that the that the ride uh, required of me. So clearly, a bit more work needed to get back where I was a few months ago. But uh, those of you who follow us on Twitter at Family Bicycle, if you're not doing so already, uh, I tweeted a little video yesterday of what had happened mid-ride. One of those really really frustrating close passes, as in there was nothing coming even to do the overtake that the guy did where he did it I'd actually waved him through would you believe I'd given him a thumbs up to thank him for holding back through the the, the curves uh, that we'd just been through and then we get onto a long straight downhill stretch of road nothing coming the other way I wave him through thumbs up cheers couldn't have done any more and he comes by me within touching distance. Hoon's off down the road and as he got to the entrance to the village, the uh, speed-triggered, what's name, goes off because he definitely wasn't doing 30 as he went past the, the 30 board as, as he went into the village. And uh, those of you who've been listening for a little while know some of what's been going on. I had an altercation a few weeks ago with an elderly motorist who decided to deliberately drive into my tandem while I had Rhoda, a uh, six-year-old, on the back uh, the other week didn't end well wasn't well looked after by the police a lot of prejudice came out we're dealing with that there's uh, there's another podcast about that on its way once we've edited it and that provoked all sorts of conversations but bearing that in mind I thought okay well how are we gonna how are we gonna deal with this one because predictably enough I caught him that's how pointless the overtake was in that sense. I mean, it was perfectly safe for him to have passed me at a reasonable distance. That was the that was the daftest bit of all. But I actually got into the village and caught this fella up, uh, and he went up a driveway. So I followed. at a suitably respectful distance, given the circumstances we're in at the moment, particularly. And uh, I thought, I'm I'm just going to say my piece. And I'm going to move on. So. I set off up the up the pathway and uh, set my uh, set my iPhone recording. Unfortunately, and it's just typical, isn't it, um, I'd gone to take my GoPro with me before I'd set out from the house, and the battery was flat. Uh, and because the bike's just been away for repair, I'd taken my uh, cyclic camera off the handlebars. Hadn't got that. They always happen when the camera's not running, don't they? But I got my iPhone, fumbled it out of my pocket, um, just to, to record the interaction that, that I had with this guy. Um, so it's only a couple of minutes or so long. I'm going to share it now. If you've seen the video, uh, you can skip forward a couple of minutes. Um But I just want to unpack in the cold light of day the interaction that I had with this guy and some of the questions that it gives rise to that you're not best placed to deal with in that moment. And I don't think are the kind of thing that you're going to ever be able to profitably discuss with the person concerned. But in terms of our self-awareness as cyclists and our understanding of what's going on in the heads of people that we're sharing the roads with who have the capacity to do us great harm, um, I sort of listened to it back afterwards and and there were things that I wanted to scream out as I said it. Um, And so I'm going to have a quick look at that. And then I promise we're going to spend more time talking about or well, certainly more effort and more energy and more, this is where I want to go with this podcast today, about the other things that happened on the ride which were far more positive. But it was almost against that backdrop and against the frustration of having had to put up with this. And I was actually concerned that by detouring slightly off my route, I was going to lose the segment and I wasn't going to become a local legend. Um, <laughs> park that one for a minute. But um, yeah, as I listened back to my, my discussion with this bloke, I thought, Good grief, there really is quite a bit to unpack here in only a few seconds.
1: Can I ask you not to come so close next time, please, sir? You what? Can I ask you not to come so close next time? What do you mean? You overtook me about that far away in the middle of the road wobbling about. I wasn't at all. I'm entitled oh, yeah. to ride in the in the middle of the lane, which I wasn't actually doing. I'd waved you through when it was safe to overtake. I gave you a thumbs up to thank you for your patience. And then you passed me within touching distance. I so Sir if you don't just I'm I'm not coming any closer. I'm not looking for a scrap. I'm speaking to you civilly. Okay. But it's my life It's my life that you put in danger. Please go and have a look at Rule 163 of the Highway Code. You need to leave as much space as you would give a car. Goodbye. You need to leave as much space as you would give a car, okay? That's all we ask for. I've got four children and a wife that I'd like to go home to. Don't
2: go on the road on that machine.
1: Well, I'm entitled to do that, sir. I'm a taxpayer the same as you.
2: I am entitled to drive down the road in a safe
1: manner. Not in a dangerous manner, you're not, sir. I'm going to publish this video on YouTube, and I'll be reporting your registration plate to Northamptonshire Police, and they will get the video footage. Your wife's a magistrate.
2: No, I just
1: Your wife's a magistrate. Wonderful. Well, I'll be able to. I'll be able to com- corroborate the address easily, then, won't I? Look, I've spoken to you nicely. I've asked you to to preserve My wife the lives. To leave no.
2: by Can
1: I drink? Let me just... just are, you, are you a magistrate, madam I'm not. I'm retired. Sorry, you're retired. retired. Okay.
2: We've been having a horrendous time. We have just managed to come back. We've had an awful time. I, I don't want to even talk because I'll cry. OK. We were coming back from the situation. It, you moved out of it because I could see all the robots in the road and I'm not, there's no issue.
1: No, because the Highway code says you've yeah, got to be yeah, ready I for a cyclist can't. to do that, I doesn't it? I can't. I can't. Yeah.
2: But I think all of oh, this is... You've got to deal with the button. There was no
1: deliberate thing about it. But unfortunately, if I get, if I get killed by a motorist, the intent doesn't come into it, does it? If I'm, if I'm injured or killed. Well, and that's that's the thing. It wasn't,
2: it wasn't intended deliberately. No, and i, I I'd never know. said it was. And I had noticed, yeah, but if you take it in that frame, you know, I have never seen my husband get that
1: close to a side That You accept that that was too close then? I
2: think I he got...
1: Rule the, the, the rule of thumb is you should cross the white line completely.
2: Well, we didn't have
1: white line. Yeah, there is a white line down the hill. I ride it most days. Well, I know that road but intimately. Wasn't there before, we been there. We it's actually, a long, straight uh, stretch uh, of And he also broke the 30 long. limit coming into the uh, village as well. Because uh, no. the, the, the warning no, no, sign no, came on. That warning sign only comes on if you exceed 30. No. It did. I watched it. I was a good 150 yards behind you, with a dead straight, clear line of sight to see that. Okay. What that's I'm saying to you is, let let me let me just speak my piece, and I'll go. Okay. My my own fam, my own family have got circumstances to deal with. We all have at the moment. But that's not mitigation for putting one another at risk, is it? That's all I'm saying. Nobody
2: should do this, and people have to be careful, and people have to consider. And five people are killed by motorists every day on our roads. I have no doubt, what there's thousands in other ways, as
1: well. Well, that's no consolation you to know, me, with no, respect. Well, you see, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they,
2: they can trigger other things. But at this point in
1: time, you're safe with if, if, if your circumstances mean you don't feel fit to drive safely, then the answer no, is not to drive, isn't it? I have to tell you if there's
2: times when you have to
1: get. But, but not, at, not at any cost. You accepted it was too close. That's all I'm asking you to take into account. Okay. Please, next time you see a cyclist, think that's someone's child. Okay. Well, I felt it did, but have a lovely Christmas. Do
0: you know, I'm I'm not uncaring about the fact that we've all got stuff. We've all got baggage going on this year. And, you know... The elderly have taken it hard this year as well. You know, my own parents, similar generation to these people, have been shielding for the whole of this year. And actually, as I was setting up to do the podcast this afternoon, I got the phone call to say that my dad's been given the all clear after a whole year of severe illness and treatment and being immunosuppressed in the middle of COVID. Um, we had that fantastic news uh, uh, I can't really describe um, but I know that journey that they've been on I know that they have had to go for trips to the hospital and things like that this year where um, it's not just the circumstances you're dealing with in the moment but you've then got the overlay of COVID you've then got the fact that everybody around you is wearing masks that the world is not as it should be Um, I'm not uncaring about all of that However, we have to have certain de minimis standards about how we behave on the road. We have to have certain expectations of one another about the level of care that we take towards strangers. Because these, this couple, you know, it could have been my parents in terms of their, their age and their demographic perhaps. Um, I could have been their son. And I think it's that disconnect, it's the fact that, you know, we talked in the podcast the other day about the othering of cyclists, Chris Boardman reckons it's going to be a real big issue in the year to come. But just the othering that goes on, particularly when people get behind the wheel, the idea that the people in the other vehicles, the people cycling, the people walking, the people around you are somehow less human because they're not your flesh and blood. But they're somebody's, and I think that's the message that that I really, really was was taken aback by. That I could easily have been their son, but they didn't see me as someone's son uh, when they were when they were overtaking me. But I just sort of I, I unpicked the statements that I got back, and people have commented very kindly on social media that I seem very good at keeping my cool. Um, kind of you to say. <laughs> I've I've worked in jobs facing the general public uh in particular customer service roles where you are expected to take levels of abuse that in other walks of life you just wouldn't and so I've had a bit of I've had a bit of practice at that um that's not to say that it's pleasant that's not to say that I go looking for it I certainly would much rather have just carried on with my bike ride but I think part of the problem we have with society at the moment is that we are all busy forming opinions about one another without talking to one another. And... In a lot of cases, it's easy for people to then just go away and start forming prejudices about one another uh, without having had the conversation. Now, whether I changed this guy's mind about anything, I'm not entirely convinced. I think he probably got more of a telling off from his wife than he was going to get from anybody else. But yeah, so I, I listened back to the tape and I just tried to work out what I thought was what the guy meant. First interaction and I say to him, you passed me too close. What do you mean? I didn't do it, is what he's saying. First reaction, I didn't do anything wrong. I stick to my guns. You were in the middle of the road wobbling about. So now it's, I did do it, and you deserved it, because you were allegedly doing something, which I wasn't. You know, I was doing nearly 20 mile an hour down a hill, on a road that's dead straight, that I know very well, I know where every pothole is on it, at that sort of speed. You are not wobbling about on a road bike. You are tucking in and... Taking your line. Uh, but you're on the road, wobbling about. Well, that's very nice of you, he says, when I said that I'm, you know, just civilly explaining. Please don't come that close. Uh, <laughs> essentially, I'm the one that's being rude, and I've judged you already, so, you know, I'll, I'll just, just, just give you another kicking here. The next one, I think, is just the most... <laughs> It's the most obvious one about the mindset. Don't go on the road on that machine. So I object to you being there in the first place. You had no right to be there. Get out of my way. It's my road. And that's that's the one that, in a sense, I think drives everything else. And then, <laughs> and then of course, just to, just to uh, top it off, my wife's a magistrate. I'm going to try and intimidate you into backing down. And then... <laughs> He probably very sensibly, I think his wife sort of waved him towards the house, and he goes inside. And uh, retired magistrate wife comes to talk to me, and she says, I've never seen him go that close to a cyclist before. So he did do it, but this was unusual. I'm not really inclined to believe that. I don't know about you guys. Then there was no deliberate thing about it. So despite all that he's just said to you, passing that close was unintentional, it was without intent, there was no harm meant, so that makes it okay. Then we get on to this next one. We've had a terrible time, and I think the other quote she used was, sometimes you just have to get home. And basically we're saying then that his behaviour on the road is justified by events off it. And that's the one that I really, really struggle with. This idea that uh right to use the road with a motor vehicle is so fundamental. It's such an embedded human right that even if we are physically not in the right frame of mind, if we need to be somewhere else, then it's an acceptable risk to be, to be taken to the road. And so on the one hand, she's saying... He passed you because our circumstances are whatever. And I'm not interested in in that. I'm not uncaring about it. We all have things going on. But it's not relevant to me. It's cold comfort to me if he runs me over, isn't it? Um, So on the one hand, he did that because this. But that wasn't a good enough reason not to drive. And then we get into the sort of factual stuff about, you know, I said the rule of thumb is you cross the white line. We didn't have a white line. There's a white line on the road. That's not. It's not for. It's not for discussion. It's physically there. Um, he wasn't exceeding thirty. I don't know how you know that from the passenger seat of the car for certain, but I had a grandstand seat. By the time he'd passed and dropped me on a dead straight road to watch him shoot through the thirty mile an hour signs and for the speed triggered signs to come on, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't difficult for me to, uh, for me to see. <laughs> But then we, we start to get into even more esoteric arguments like uh, there's thousands of people who get killed in other ways. Uh, I, I think the implication was if you hadn't been on your bike, maybe something else would have killed you. Um, and, and at that, you know, we're not we're not going to get much further. And as you heard, I bid the lady a, a happy Christmas. And, uh, I beg to differ about what happened and, you know, please think about it. And I don't know whether that makes any difference or not. I don't know whether it does any any good or not in terms of the likelihood of them not doing it again. If I'd had the camera running, if I'm perfectly honest, if I'd had the camera running on my handlebars, I would have carried on with my ride because that was my priority. That's why I'd gone out. I'd gone out to enjoy riding my bike. Um, and I would have sent my footage in and rather than a discussion, rather than a please would you not do that again have a look at Rule 163. That was awfully close. It was intimidating. Rather than having that discussion with him, which only really ended up in, in him having a having a go at me, uh, I could have just quietly sent it in and he could have been on the receiving end of a, of a, a notice of intended prosecution for Christmas. Uh, of course, I'm in Northant's disclaimer, uh, so our operation snap if you send footage in despite promises from Chief Constable Adderley, you still don't get told what's been done with your footage, whether they've done anything at all, whether they've issued a nip, whether they think it wasn't good enough and why. Um, so I wouldn't have had the reassurance, but I probably would have just got on with my ride, sent it in, and if they were doing if they were doing their thing, he'd have got a nip and three points or you know, naughty boy's course, whatever. Um, and I could have just quietly done that but I went for the human interaction. I went for the discussion. I went for the, I'm somebody's son. Um, interested in what you think about that? Uh, drop us a tweet at Family By on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Let us know what you, what you think about that one because I'm still not sure that I've quite settled in my own mind what's the most profitable thing to do in that circumstance because the only thing I do know is that just letting it go isn't. And in a sense, for every and I'm thinking particularly about road cyclists here there is a a pervasive culture within road cycling where there's a lot of people who almost take it as a badge of honour not making a fuss about it and that's all well and good if you want to accept people passing you that close if you want to accept motorists driving dangerously at you and just you know believe that that's something that you should have to put up with that's fine for you but that's embedding behaviours with drivers that they're then going to exhibit towards other people who may be less confident who may be less able to bail themselves out of out of trouble you know i was uh, i wasn't even fully in primary position but i was far enough into the road that i had space to 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 bail into so that he couldn't squeeze me against the kerb as he came past but for whatever reason your acceptance as a cyclist of people driving aggressively and dangerously around you is actually fueling the chances that whether it's you or somebody else who's going to be on the receiving end of it that's my take anyway but quite how how we're, we're most profitably to respond I'm really interested in in your views I think there's also this debate around the fitness to drive of the baby boomer generation and in a sense you know they're the first people who've grown up with cars throughout their lives they're the first generation that have grown up with an expectation that driving is a right i think that you know that i think that's the word that that came out from from my friend in the hyundai this idea that that's what we do that as we get older we need that that's an important part of our social mobility and keeping us plugged in with society and you know it's not my choice for them to live in a posh very well-heeled very expensive village in rural Northamptonshire where there probably isn't a bus service anymore you know I'm reluctant to make value judgments but it's quite clear that if they wanted to uh, they could they could live in a different paradigm that wasn't dependent on them having and using a car which at some point in time is probably going to become problematic and you know you could argue that's already the case We've heard in the last few days about the, the case of uh, Josephine Gilbert, you know 25 year old killed on the A52 in Derby, home roads for, for Katie and me. And the driver was 65. His license had already been revoked on health grounds. You know the, the guy that, that rammed my bike having close past me twice and drove over my foot a few weeks ago couldn't even stand up properly when he got out of his car and the police were talking about reporting to DVLA for for, for fitness. But you know, that driver that ran down Josephine Gilbert, his defence in court, he alleged that the cyclist had weaved around and changed lines. And as it happened, there was video footage that proved otherwise. But in a way, the only real difference between that that appalling death of a fellow cyclist and, you know, I can't, imagine what that family has gone through this year uh, and to be having to deal with with the court case and stuff you know right coming up to christmas my heart goes out to them but we've got to see that the only real difference between what happened to me on my ride on sunday afternoon and what happened to Josephine Gilbert was a matter of a few inches and physically making contact That's the only difference. I didn't get struck. The driver attitude was similar. The outcome is a binary one. It's so close between something catastrophic happening and nothing happening. But the risk and the behaviours that led to it are just the same. And I do think there is this big, big question. You know, A a lot of us with parents of that generation are wondering if one day we're going to have to hide some car keys. And hoping that we won't and I think the the debate goes bigger than that you know how do we how do we have those discussions within families how do we have those discussions societally how do we give our older generation options in terms of public transport in terms of keeping them fit and active you look at cycling uptake rates then the proportion of pensioners in the Netherlands who ride their bike every single day it's insane compared to everywhere else but you know two rides in a row I've had something that could have been an incredibly serious outcome that was very close to being catastrophic and the driver has been elderly and has had those sorts of attitudes about their use of the road, their right to do it, their inalienable sense of, you know, my, my, my car and the road are an intrinsic part of my human rights and everybody else needs to to get out of the way. I, I just I don't know where we take that one, but I do think that it's something that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work on more and more. You know, my grandparents' generation, yeah, they had cars in their lifetimes and they drove, but they didn't have them as children. It 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 wasn't something they'd had for the whole of their lifetime. You know, I think we're gonna see the same thing when Katie and I are elderly. Our generation will be the first people who have known the internet for all of their adult lives uh, you know since they were at school just and i'm sure that will change the face of attitudes to, to retired people in terms of their connectivity with the wider world and how they engage and what equipment they use and all those sorts of things but we've hit that tipping point now where we have a, a an elderly population who believe that they have this need and this inalienable right to drive their cars combined with some really really difficult attitudes and uh, yeah there we go anyway carried on with my ride and I'm pleased to say that uh, my Strava segment was intact so not all was lost I carried on with the ride batting around as you can imagine most of most of what I've just talked about as I was carrying on and then I got back to Wellingborough and within the space of a mile. I encountered not one but two families out on their bikes, and not your Halfords family bike ride, you've heard me say that before, <laughs> about you know this notion that you load your cars onto the bike and you drive ten times the distance that you're ever going to cycle. They were clearly setting out from home, they were on local roads, uh, in one case mum didn't look at all uh, sure about things, uh, but was doing it, and... I thought as I passed these families, that's the first time I have seen in months, it's the first time I've seen other children out with parents, out riding bikes, going somewhere, anywhere near our town. And uh, it, I, I greeted the first lot. I you know I, there's, we, we have a lot of discussion about it amongst cyclists, don't we, about how we greet one another and if we greet one another and if that's bad form, whether you don't do it or whatever. But I, I, I want to say this. Don't just greet the cyclists that look like you. Or more to the point, don't just greet the cyclists who look like you think you look like. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I go out on my um, road bike and I see other roadies out and about uh, and I get one sort of response and then I can be out, you know, on my elephant bike or a cargo bike or a tandem with children or and... Um, the general response I get can be can be different sometimes wildly enthusiastic especially if we've got the children sometimes they're just not expecting me to to engage in the same way particularly if I'm dressed in quote ordinary clothes unquote uh you know I'm I think less expected to to do it but for me let, in this year of all years, let's greet one another. Let's take the opportunity to say hello. When we get to Dutch levels of cycling, there must be some kind of etiquette that kicks in. You know, the Dutch don't wave at everybody else on a bike because you'd never have your hands on the handlebars. But um I waved to these families and they seemed surprised that a stranger on a bike was 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 greeting them. And uh second one I, I went past I I gave them a great big ostentatious salute and a keep going team and um they look, the 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 children look absolutely overjoyed that somebody was recognizing what what they were doing, and I'd sort of got a a knowing a knowing nod of approval from dad and uh it did me such good to see other families out and having a bike ride, and that is not a common sight where we are. We saw a few towards the end of the first lockdown when the weather was nicer back in the spring. But I just have that little bit of hope as well that as the Christmas holidays have started, uh, people are still considering whether they can get out and about around our town and its surrounding environs uh, on a bike. And families going out and doing it together just gives me a a degree of hope. And let's take that opportunity when we can to encourage one another uh, uh, along the way. Don't assume that the sort of cyclists... Nod of solidarity is reserved for people who are riding the same sort of bike as you and look like they're making the same kind of journey as you uh, because I think we've got so much more in common than, than we have that, that differentiates between us. I was riding the elephant bike through town the other week actually, and I'd got a car revving its engine up my backside as I was climbing up the, the hill, and on the other side of the road, there's a young lad pulling wheelies on his mountain bike. And the authoritarian in me wanted, <laughs> wanted both of them to stop in a sense. But I looked at this lad on his bike and I saw him and his mate having a good old, good old laugh. And they weren't putting anyone else in danger. There was nobody else about. And I realised in this moment that I had so much more in common with the lad on the bike than I did with the fella behind that was, that was trying to intimidate me to move out of primary position. Uh, and get out of his way and so I called out to the the lad as he dropped his wheelie nice one mate good effort and uh, the look on his face someone that I might not have had anything else in common with passing in the street Um, and it was like yeah go on then mate you do one (laughs) <laughs> Which I am sad to say, I I I can't pop a wheelie on anything uh, properly, but um, I think we've really got to focus on the things that draw us together, the things that we have in common at the moment, and so. Yeah, a plea to to all of us over this this Christmas period. Let's look out for one another and if you see people out on bikes, let's do what we can to encourage one another. It's difficult out there, it's unpleasant. We get morons like that fella close passing me who really ain't bothered about how we get treated on the roads. Ain't all that bothered about driving behaviours that unchecked, in different circumstances could end with absolute catastrophe. Um, we all have to bear those things to, together and we have those struggles in common. So, for goodness sake, let's let's spread a bit of cheer that we can and let's greet one another, let's encourage one another. So, there's my thoughts for today. It finished with a little lad who was clearly just learning to ride and uh, as I cut back through a housing estate to get back to our house could have gone up the main road but the guy behind me was sounding really impatient and i I figured i just didn't want to didn't want to go there so i took a took a diversion and uh this young lad is riding towards me i think he's not long past that stage of just having ridden out a dad's hands and uh he's wondering you could see the look on his face of what am i going to do there's someone coming the other way and i just Got off my bike and stood to one side and said, I'm in no hurry, young man. Come on, keep trucking. And uh, look of pride on his face as he as he carried on and rode past me. Um, you know, take the opportunity to 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 wish people well this Christmas season. Particularly fellow cyclists. Whatever they may be doing, they might not be doing it the way we would. I, I do you know, I think for all the time we spend as cyclists trying to encourage one another and trying to talk up the things that we love there's an element to which a lot of us are silently thinking well i wouldn't do it that way and particularly touring cyclists i think that goes for we all have different ideas about kit about the amount of stuff to carry about the way we would do things Uh, that we have strong opinions about you know whether it comes down to high-vis clothing and all all those other things and I will give you opinions on this podcast and so will Katie and so will the children probably and I make no apologies for having an opinion and sticking with it and saying what I think about something and if I disagree with someone I'll say so but as cyclists at the moment, particularly, as people trying to get around without cars, as Chris Boardman would want us to say at the moment, let's encourage one another. Let's just share that knowing nod and a hello and a keep keep going team and, you know, um, remind one another that we're all in this together. We all face the same struggles and, you know, we're all glad to be out there or we should be uh, and that that can be... Uh, Improved the experience of going out on your bike can be improved no end by knowing that other people are out there doing it too and enjoying it as well and encouraging you to enjoy what you're doing. So, speaking of that, the girls are busy working on decorating Christmas cakes and I'm being summoned to the kitchen. So it's time to go. We're going to talk to you again over the Christmas season. I've got to get everything ready now for the festive 500, which Katie's uh, not best pleased about. <laughs> I've charged my charged my batteries. I've refitted my camera. I've got my spare lights ready. I've dug out all my thermal clothing. And there's a piece on our blog. Visit us at uh, familybicycle.uk to go to the blog. Uh, there's a blog piece up there called badge of honour riding the festive 500 if you're thinking about tackling it this year that's my account back from 2017 that i've only just finished writing up uh uh, about the christmas eve jinx and uh, (laughs) all of the various things that happened to me during my first festive 500 ride Uh, so you might want to take a look at that do let us know what you think of the show uh, over on twitter in particular but on all our other social media please give us a six out of five as bob would tell you uh wherever you get your podcasts and give us a give us a review let us know what you think and we'll be back to talk to you again soon thanks for listening to the family bicycle podcast i've been tom having wild adventures with kids and bikes i hope you're having them too take care cheerio